So once you've written out your question, what's one thing that could radically transform your life if you could learn it from the Bible in the next six months? Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. All right. That's right. You can keep working on it. Okay. So looking at the time, we only have a short window of time left to talk about some stuff, and that's okay. Um, we're going to be talking about our youth ministry, and uh, as far as you guys that are newcomers, incoming freshmen, we want to talk a little bit about who we are, what we do, why we do it, where from the Bible that we get some of those passages, and how we accomplish the mission that God has for you specifically. This age of life that you guys are in right now is very, very unique, and it is also very difficult. Part one was junior high. Very difficult years in the junior high, right? Starting to figure out who you are, what you believe, what you don't believe, all that stuff. What you're good at, what you're not good at. Senior high is kind of, it's, it's definitely a maturing stage for sure where things get really solidified because the things that you solidify in your life over the next four years, you incoming freshmen, are going to be things that are going to direct the rest of your life. And so these years are critically important. And I'm not surprised whatsoever that the enemy of God specifically targets you guys on purpose. Like, I'm not surprised by that at all. Because if he can get you in your middle school and high school years, then he can drag you down during your college years. And that could destroy your life, the rest of your adulthood. Because the decisions that you guys make now have ripple effects long into your future. Doesn't mean that they can't be corrected. Doesn't mean that you can't make up some of those mistakes and and get things right. But you will certainly have some baggage you're gonna have to carry with you for the rest of your life. And I've made some of those mistakes in my life, and my heart has always been for your guys' age group because I was an idiot in high school. And there's things that I had done that I shouldn't have done, and I'm still paying for it today as far as my daily struggles and my thoughts, my, my life, just different things. And I, and I hate that. I hate that I made those decisions. And so if there's anything that I can do to try to help you guys avoid that and learn how to walk with God now to save you from a lot of pain in the future, I will gladly do it. I will gladly do it. And I know sometimes the things that we do or that I do might drive you nuts, like I'm irritating you, but it's always out of love. It really is. I don't mean to be hard on you guys when I am hard. When I do, it's because I care about you. That's what a pastor does. Someone who pastors, they see sheep going astray and they want to do whatever they can to correct them to bring them back in. But a rebellious sheep, there's only so much you can do. And sometimes rebellious sheep have to wander in order to figure out that they should have been back here all along. And sometimes that happens long into their college years. And I've seen that happen quite a bit. So if there's anything I can do to try to warn you guys ahead of time, I definitely want to do it. Okay, so take a look at your study sheet real quick. So right up at the top, we got solid youth ministries. This is our mission statement that we have for our youth ministry. The purpose of our youth ministry is to honor God with our lives by sharing our faith in Jesus Christ, by serving others, and by obeying God's word to prove our commitment. There are a lot of Christians that are out there that never prove their commitment to God. They say they're Christian in word, but it doesn't actually mean anything. And you guys know Christians like that, right? I mean, how many Christians have you guys met at school that say they're Christian, but yet don't live it at all? I have. It drove me nuts. It made me mad. And maybe you've been that way. Maybe you've called yourself a Christian and you just haven't lived right either. The whole point of being a solid Christian pun intended, is 
that you prove your commitment by your actions, by your life, by the things that come out. And we spend a lot of time at camp talking about that. It's, it, it can only happen from the inside out. You can't put on a religious front and a religious show and fool everybody. You just can't. People know genuine Christians because it's part of who they are. It's their life. It's their character. It's, it's in the fabric of their personality, of, of their DNA, of who they are as a born-again Christian. And there's a lot of people that try to fool people, but it just doesn't work. So if you want to be someone who's solid, if you want to be someone who's walking with God to honor God, then you need to be able to do these things and prove your commitment to God because you want to obey him. And that really comes out of a heart that you love God. So our passage for this is Matthew chapter 5. And I love this passage in Matthew chapter 5. Verse 16 um, is where we kind of hit on that. But I want to back it up just a little bit. All right. So. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and these are really the the rules that he's setting up for the millennial kingdom. Doctrinally, we get into some of that. Uh, We like to talk a a little bit about doctrine um, in here if you have no introduction to doctrine. So in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is really laying out the rules and the governmental system of the millennial kingdom. So when he comes to rule this world for a thousand years, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is going to be how things are run during the millennial kingdom. So it's a really interesting study. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, it says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house." Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Okay, so there's a few things here. He talks about salt. He talks about light. And he compares those that belong to God as salt and light. Now tell me, what, what good is salt? What does salt do? It makes things salty. It makes things salty. Noah's a genius, in case you haven't figured that out by now. Yeah. Okay, it can keep things cold. Yeah, it can preserve things. What else can it do? It pays Bobby's bills because he works for a salt company. It causes bad luck. It causes bad... Oh. <laughs> Throw it over your right shoulder. <laughs> All right. What is it? No, you're not invisible. Are you kidding me? You're my wife. I love you. It increases your blood pressure. What else does salt do? Purifies water. It ruins Jack's truck. Maybe your, maybe your truck is a picture of the flesh. You ever thought about that in salt? Okay, anyhow. <laughs> Just keeps breaking down. You keep throwing money at it. It doesn't fix it. All right. <laughs> flavors. It flavors things. Have you ever eaten eggs without any salt? How many of you guys like that? Weirdo, weirdo, weirdo. I'm kidding. <laughs> I like to salt my eggs. I don't like to eat eggs just without any flavoring. It's just, it's loose. I just don't like it. All right. So God compares you being a part of his family as salt. You are like salt. What else does salt do with an open wound? Burns and cleanses. There you go. Yeah. The initial reaction is the, ah, and then, oh, it helps me. I know. It's all right. It's okay. They need to hear that. Jesus is convicting us in here. Sorry. All right. So (laughs) it cleanses things. So you have an open wound. It helps things to heal. I get canker sores really bad. Anybody else get canker sores? Oh, my gosh. And if you take salt and put it directly on the wound, it is like, "Mm," 
But you know what? In a couple days, it's gone. And so when it comes to things like that, think about that's the benefit that you add to this world. That is the benefit that you add to this world. This world is a huge, fat, open wound. And you can heal things. People's lives that are hurting, you can help heal the things in their lives. People's things that they have in their life that the devil wants to just rip out of them, you can help preserve those things and keep them intact. That's what the ability that God has given you as his follower. But it's dependent upon one thing. And what is that? Your? Come on. You can answer it. If you're wrong, I'll tell you. Your heart? Yes, your heart. Which directly leads to your faithfulness. But it's your heart. Which is why our camp theme was inside out. If God has your heart, then God will be able to use you to do some mighty things in this world and touch people's lives and to help them when they're hurting, to actually give them the answers they need and not the answers they want. Those sorts of things. Huge. You guys have an incredible opportunity to do it, but you got to learn how to walk with God first. All right, so you have that one. Then we're compared to light. What does light do? It exposes the darkness. I mean, if anyone knows that better than anybody, it's Andy, because <laughs> he works in the dark. Oh, yeah, that too. That too. That too. Yeah. So, if you hear something at night and you're scared, what do you typically do? Run? No. <laughs> I cry like a baby from mommy. No. You turn on the light. You turn on the light. You bust out the biggest flashlight you possibly can to expose what's out there in order to see. Hopefully nothing. Hopefully nothing. Yeah, and maybe even to fight back. Okay. So, if there's something, there's comfort in light. There's, there's, a, there's a huge amount of comfort that, that you're able to expose the things that are in the dark and to see what's actually there. And that's why a lot of Christians, frankly, don't want to be in the Bible and they don't want to come to church. And they don't want to be around other Christians that walk with God because their life gets exposed to the darkness that's going on inside. But for you, it will help you. It'll be able to step forward in confidence knowing that you can take that next step because you're not going to fall on your face because you have a light. God's word is a lamp unto our feet and light into our path. Psalm 119, 105, right? So those sorts of things you guys need to really take to heart. All right, so look at this illustration he gives in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Why is it that a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid? <coughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can see it from anywhere. I've given you guys the illustration many times. In fact, I think it was only a few months ago we had that guy come in from uh, that has the Gentile Ministries and how he talked about that one city where it's like, you know, you see it from far away and it looks like just an ivory palace because it's set up on a hill and it's in the middle of the desert. But then you get up close and it doesn't seem like to be anything special. But it's just where it's positioned. And I've given you guys the illustration before of when I was little, we used to go fishing up in Canada a lot. And we would go up to this place called Golden Lake. And I wrote it in my Bible in this passage because it, I, I remembered this passage. There was a little town <clears throat> that was on the other side of the lake, just over, it was like only maybe five miles away, but it was just on the other side of the lake. And during the day, you couldn't see it at all, at all. But then at the nighttime, I saw this bright light just kind of showing, and it was set up on a hill a little bit. Some little trees were covering it, but it was set up on a hill a little bit. And I mean, it was bright and it was beautiful. And I'm like, Dad, what is that? He said, that's a little town, just a little, little ways away. I'm like, can we go there? He's like, sure. So we go there the next day. We drive maybe 10 minutes. We get into this little town, and like we're in the town, and then we're out. That's how small it was. 
It was just a small little town, like one street, one main street with a few shops, and that was really about it. They had a bait shop, ice cream shop, you know, the essentials, especially you ice cream lovers. But that was really it, and I'm like, what in the world? Like, this is not that special of a town. But yet, from a distance, I looked at it, and it was like, wow, I want to go there. And then my dad shared with me this passage, and he said, you know, when it's dark outside, you have the ability to really shine a light that people will be able to see for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. And the culture that we live in today, in case you haven't figured it out, is just a little bit dark. And it's getting darker and darker and darker and darker. And so you have the ability to be a light. And you don't have to like, I think a lot of people, when they think of successful Christians, they think of you know, people that have given their lives to go to the mission field, or they think of pastors, and they think of, uh, you know, martyrs that have died throughout church history. Okay, yeah, those are our role models. Those are people that had courage to do things that no one else would really do. But do you realize that you, in your own little world, taking a step and having a conversation with a friend is super heroic? And we have testimonies in this room today of some of you that have been willing to do that and their lives have been forever changed. I do. I still think about that a lot. Ian and I met in high school. And it was through coming to winter camp that he got saved because I invited him to come. And so these things matter. Like, I, I don't know if you ever feel like The things that you do day in and day out don't matter. They do massively. You may not see it now, but you take a little walk past high school into your college years and you'll be able to look back and you're like, oh my goodness, it mattered a whole lot. I can't tell you how many singles have come back to me after leaving here and said, oh my word, Stephen, I'm sorry. You told us all the time. I'm like, I know. I did, but I can't make someone understand. Only God and the Spirit of God convicting you in your heart about where you're at in your life can make any changes. I can be someone who stirs up the pot a little bit. I can be what Pastor Tom calls the agitator of the washing machine. (laughs) They can just really stir things up and make things move inside of your heart, but only you can respond to God. Only you can respond to God. So we have an incredible opportunity to be salt, to be light. And that's why our youth ministry is called Solid, Shining Our Light in darkness. We do that by just frankly being obedient because God has our heart and we're obedient to what he wants us to do. So I want you to think about that. I want you to remember our acronym. I want you to remember our mission statement. I want you to memorize our verse, Matthew 5, especially 516. I want you guys to think about that. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, not you glorify your father, which is in heaven. That light is to be used to shine, dispel darkness and glorify God. All right, so that is our name. Now, this vision is realized individually by doing some things. Now, I left it blank because I wanted you guys to answer it real quick. So thinking about our vision, thinking about the scripture, thinking about what I just explained, how can you individually realize this vision in your own life? Like, let's start from the very basics of basics. What would you do? How could you do this individually? Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Not being afraid to talk to your friends. Let's back it up a little bit before you even talk to your friends. That's good. Timmy. Just carrying a Bible. Okay. Carrying a Bible. Before that, Alana. Yes. Praying. 
Praying huge. If you don't pray to God about the stuff in your life, you're never going to have a good relationship with him. We talk about this all the time. I, I talked about this all the time in the junior high. Communication is always a two-way street. <coughs> what is it? What are the two ways on the street of communication? Reading and praying, which relates to you, talking and listening. If you never talk to a person, you're not friends. I don't know if you realize that, but you are not friends if you never talk to someone. And you will never be friends with someone if you never listen to them. You might have a friendship that starts, but it will never go anywhere because you never talk and you never listen to them. So how can you expect to have a relationship with God if you never talk to him and you never listen to him, right? I mean, this is the most simple, rudimentary things. But even before that, what does God have to have? Your heart. Because you will never pray and you will never read if God never has your heart. That is first. And God will never have your heart if you're lost. So that's where it really begins. It begins at salvation. Walking with God, seeing all this stuff realized in your life, it begins at salvation. Understanding you're a sinner that needs a Savior, and you trust in Christ as your Savior. And then you give God your heart on a daily basis because every day you have a free will choice to make. You can give God your heart or you can give your heart to other things. You can give your heart to, you know what, you guys name it. What are the things that tend to lord your life from camp that you guys identified? Phone. Sports. Friends. Family. TV. Sleep. What else? Come on. Yeah, self-consciousness. Thinking too much about yourself. That's weird. You're self-conscious, but you give your heart to yourself. It's kind of a weird, never-ending cycle. Pride. Come on. Laziness. Girls. Girls. Yes. And for girls. Guys. (laughs) I mean, a lot of you put video games. Things that you just love to do. So every day you make a choice to give your heart to something or someone. Instead of who it actually belongs to. The guy who actually authored it. The one who knit it together in your mother's womb. That's a problem. We were made as creatures that we were made to worship. We were made to worship God. You were made to give your heart to God first. And you will be amazed. If you guys have already realized this coming out of camp, I mean, you know what we're talking about. Like at camp, you know why it's easy to walk with God? Because every day we're giving our heart to God. We're thinking about these things and we're doing it. It's very easy. But I'm telling you, things are very easy. When you give things to God, he will direct your steps. Even thinking about the, some of the passages I just put out on GroupMe, which, by the way, freshmen, make sure you guys get in on GroupMe. If you guys are not in on that yet, I know we threw in some of the girls. I don't think we have any guys in there yet. Make sure you download the app, sign up for it, and I'll get you guys in. Okay, so I threw out a couple passages out of Proverbs. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Love that passage. It's like Psalm 16.3, I think it is. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. When my heart belongs to God, Proverbs 23, 26, when my heart belongs to God and then I commit my works, my life to him, my thoughts shall be established. Everything in my life will make sense. 
I'll be able to make good decisions about people, about circumstances, about my future, about my whatever mess I'm currently in right now. But if God doesn't have my heart, I can't commit my works to him. And so then my thoughts can't be established. And then I'm the James, double-minded man who's unstable in all his ways, chapter one, out of the book of James, right? So that's where it begins. And so you have to identify, especially as you go through the rest of the summer, before you get into school, what are those weaknesses that you have? What are those things that tend to lord your life? This past week, I've learned more from this past week just reflecting over camp about myself than I did at camp. And I've really learned that the Lord of my life typically is me. It's my flesh and the things that I want to do. And there are many times that I choose me over God and the things that I want, and I can't do that. The Bible says clearly that my body belongs really to two people. My flesh belongs to two people. Number one, it belongs to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The body was made for the Lord and Lord for the body. I love that verse. Verse 13. And then the other one, in chapter 7, right after that, is it belongs to my wife. And so if I serve God with all my heart and I serve my wife with all my heart, then I'll be able to commit my works unto the Lord and my thoughts shall be established. That's what was my takeaway coming out of camp. And I didn't get it until this past week. So you need to be thinking about these things, being very purposeful and intentional about the stuff that God's been working in your heart and in your life. So it begins by being born again. We talked about that, giving your heart to God. And then you've got the praying, you've got the reading, the studying, memorizing, meditating on the Bible, and then obviously talking to your friends. That's actively participating in the work of the Lord. Evangelism, sharing the gospel with your friends and discipling. The reason why, and I want to work backwards, because I got my list here, is in case you're writing it down or you want to write it down, it's being saved is the first one. Giving your heart to God is the second one. Praying and then reading. Communication with God is the third. And the fourth is then actively participating in the work of the Lord. Now, here's how I look at it, okay? The reason why sometimes I have failed and maybe you have failed in discipleship and evangelism is because God doesn't have your heart. The reason why that I and maybe you have struggled with reading the Bible and praying is because God doesn't have your heart. The reason why we've struggled with different things like, you know, just meditating and thinking about the things that God has said is because God doesn't have your heart. It all comes back down to there. So if you start to feel like, yeah, I don't want to get my Bible today. All right, heart check. You better check your heart. Seriously. You know what? I don't really don't want to pray to God. I really don't. Nah, I don't want to go to church. I really don't want to come to the youth group. I mean, it's just check your heart. It always comes back down to your heart every single time. Every time. Every time. Okay. And then number three, we'll just buzz this real quick. This vision is facilitated corporately through the following methods. And I put methods on purpose because these are the things that we've chosen to do in our youth ministry um, that really fulfill some of this stuff. But it begins at number two with you first before you can get to number three. So we've got Sunday school. You got Wednesday night prayer meeting and Bible study. We got monthly activities and outreach events. We have gender specific activities and special Bible studies every now and again. We're in the middle of a guy one right now. Uh, we've got summer camp and winter camp. We got one-on-one discipleship through Student Journey. We have a, a monthly discipler study that we typically, we put that on hold because we were doing guy and girl studies, uh, but we might kick that up again. We'll, we'll, we'll play around with that. We'll see what we do with that. We got Vacation Bible School, opportunity for you to minister and to serve little kids and the children in this community. The Youth Music Ministry, which really hasn't exist, existed outside of camp, but I want it to. I mean, I would love for us to, I mean... Andy, if we can find a, a cheaper or used set of electronic drums, throw them in the corner. I still have mine. If but they I need to be cleaned. Okay. Maybe some volunteers to help me. We can try and get that. It'd be good. 
But I would love to do that. I want to get someone to play bass. I want someone to play keyboard. <laughs> if Jack dedicates his time, he could do it. <laughs> but he's more of a guitar player. Um, but I want to be able to do that. That's not something that we've really developed over time, and we need to be able to do that. And like right now, let me give you an example. Like right now, if you guys, I, I think Andy jokingly said this, kind of, that if you guys were to just invite one person, where would we fit? Outside. <laughs> Which is a great problem to have. I mean, even as we're standing this morning and we sing, we're too crammed in here. And if we're going to start having some instruments and things like that up here, we're going to have to move rooms. We're going to have to. And I would love to be able to do that. Not to do that just to do that, but because we'll be able to reach people. Because God is glorified through people as they're reached for him, right? So I want you to be thinking about some of this stuff because it is totally doable. It is totally doable for you to think of one person that you could reach. I mean, maybe think about that. Maybe that could be one of your goals for the school year. I want to try to reach one lost person and get them saved and see them discipled. That would be massively huge. That would be awesome. And then once you get the one, go get another. And just keep doing it. And make that the pattern for the rest of your life. So then you have adult and student leadership cultivating thriving relationships outside the classroom. It's just spending time together. We've been doing that a lot lately, and I love it. And I think we need to keep doing it. Creatively providing opportunities and venues through which students can reach their loss and save friends and learn slash practice viable ministry and leadership skills and then etc. And so when I look at us, if we just want to start there, that's really where we're at. Because when I look at the youth ministry and I look at our youth ministry, especially the years that I've been in it, which I can't believe how many years I've been doing it. It's hard to believe it's like flown by, but we're going on like 14 years or something like that, which is insane. So when I think about youth ministry, I really look at it from this perspective. You know, you guys in the junior high, you guys really are learning, what do I really believe about God and about the Bible and about the gospel? Now, coming out of it, maybe you didn't get that down or not. I don't know. But in my mind, the way that I look at the junior high, like that is it. If you get that and that alone, awesome. Some of you got that and then some, which is amazing. But moving on from there, when you get into the senior high, I look at the senior high ministry as the time that Jesus spent with his disciples. People that actually really wanted to walk with God and they did on a daily basis. And guess what happened with the disciples? They had great successes and great failures. They did great work and they failed greatly. A lot. And that's going to happen. And I'm okay with that. Because that's really only how you learn. You're going to pursue something and it's not going to work out. And so you're going to stay on the ground and be defeated. You're going to get back up and actually get the job done. Because that's how you grow. You grow through failure. You don't only grow through successes. Now, if you could only grow through successes, I think we'd choose that every single time, right? We would. But it's not going to happen. So you're going to fail. And you're going to struggle. And there's certain things that you're going to be plagued in your life when it comes to sin or decisions that you've made or different things. Okay, awesome. What are you going to do about it? I promise you with all my heart that if you struggle with stuff like that, I will never treat you any different. Never. I never have. And for those of you that know what I'm talking about, I think you can agree with me on that. You guys have struggled with things in your life. You've made fools of yourself. And I've loved you just the same. And I want to help you through it. That's what Christ has done in my life. And I know that's the type of minister that I need to be. So be confident going into things that way. Because that is the truth. I mean, I have seen and I have been a part of some horrendous things in people's lives. And it doesn't change the way I look at them. It doesn't. 
And that's the way we need to be because we're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes. But what are you going to do afterward? Are you going to learn from it and move on and be stronger? Or are you just going to stay defeated? Because that's what a lot of people choose to do is they stay defeated and they don't get anything done. They waste the time that God has given them and they don't get anything done. And so I see the potential in this room and it excites the socks off my feet. I was wearing socks and we <laughs> Honestly, I really, really do. I am super excited for this year. I'm super excited for the rest of the summer. I'm excited about your school year, even though you may not be yet. Just remember, it's your mission field, so you might be conflicted. I don't want to go back to school, but hey, you get to reach people there. Think about that. These things are super, super, super important. And I can't wait to see what God's going to do this year. I'm really, really excited. So I hope you guys take these things to heart. Do not let the things from camp go. I want those things to continue to kind of marinate in your heart and in your life and in your mind. Uh, We've got some great potential to reach some people this summer and into the school year and throughout the year. But every step of the way, this youth ministry and our our leaders are going to be here to help you. So as you guys trip and fall, do not hesitate to come and talk to us. People do. I tend to because I I don't want to look like a failure. And I'm telling you right now, if you have the guts to come to me or to any of our leaders and just say, hey, listen, I'm struggling. I actually, I value that. I respect you for that. That's something that is huge to be able to do. So you may see it as a weakness. I see it as a strength. And so does the Lord. Too many years have gone by in my life where I've struggled with things alone. I struggled with things alone. And as a result, I thought I was being strong. But in reality, I was being very weak when I should have gone and asked for help. So please do those things. All right. So welcome. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what God's going to do. And uh, let's close in a word of prayer. Anybody want to pray? Close this out. Jack, go ahead. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for um, you know everything that you've been doing in our lives this summer. Um, and you know the freshmen coming up, uh, they're on fire. Lord, I, I pray that they would stay that way through the year. Um, and just all of us being together, I, I pray that this youth ministry would uh, excel through the year, um, even after we graduate. I just want to pray uh, the follow-up with Mike, um, you know, everything that is going on in his life. I just want um, to thank you once again for such a good thing. I pray the message today goes well in Jesus' Amen. By the way, if one of your commitments was to be baptized, make sure that you see Charlie Scafidi. Charlie Scafidi. If you don't know who he is, one of us will show you. Jimmy <laughs>